a story. Every human has been hurt. Every person has been through stuff. And, um, and as the owner of our own stories, like we get to choose what people do or do not see. People want to look at me like I have my ish together. But really for me, the leaders that I respect the most are the ones who get up from a public platform and are like, listen, I do not have it together. Hey friends, and welcome to the Girl Means Business podcast. I'm your host, Kendra Swalls, a photographer and educator on a mission to help you find your passion, power, and purpose through entrepreneurship. So let's jump right into today's episode because this girl means business. Hey guys, and welcome back to the Girl Means Business podcast. Thank you so much for being here this week. I really, really appreciate it. I know that you have tons of podcasts to choose from. So when I see those downloads come in each week, it means so much to me to know that you are choosing to be here with me and my guest and to tune in. Thank you to all of you that have been here for the entire journey or that have been with me for a while. I see your DMs, I see your reviews, I see your downloads, and I am so thankful for them. I also want to say welcome to anyone who is finding us for the first time. If this is your first episode or maybe you've listened to a handful of them, welcome to the Girl Means Business podcast. All right, guys, today I am chatting with a really special guest. Her name is Kat Harris. She is the co-founder of the Refined Woman online publication and the host of the Refined Collective podcast. She's been a full-time photographer for the last decade with her work featured in Vanity Fair, GQ, Forbes, People, Us Weekly, Glamour UK. I mean, the list is goes on and on. So she is for sure a special find that we have here on the show. And what's really fun is that we had originally decided to talk about one thing. And then once we got into the interview and into kind of that, the pre-interview conversation, it shifted to something else. So today we're going to talk a little bit about like knowing your truth and understanding kind of who you are so that you can better represent yourself within your business because you are your business. So There's a lot of great conversation to be had, and I can't wait for you to hear it. So let's get into my conversation with Kat Harris. All right, guys, we have Kat Harris here today joining us. Hi, Kat. How are you? Hey, I'm doing good. How are you, Kendra? I'm good. And you're here in the Dallas area right now, so we're not far from each other. This is exciting. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. Texas forever. I love it. (laughs) So, okay, Kat, let's talk really quickly. Share with us a little bit about who you are, what you do. Mm your journey to get to where you are. And then we'll dive into all the conversation after that. Oh, just that, that little question. Just that little question. No big deal. Well, do you have seven hours? This is going to be your longest (laughs) podcast interview ever. Um, (laughs) All right. So who I am, my name is Kat Harris. I am a Brooklyn based educator, podcaster, speaker, soon to be first time author, which is so crazy. Um, My manuscript, my first book is due in a couple of weeks. So that's wild. No um, I I know, right? I'm like, oh, <laughs> coming from the person myself who I almost failed out of a freshman level writing course my last semester of college. So um, you never know what you're going to end up doing in your life. So um, that has been such an interesting journey for me. Um, but I run an online publication for women called The Refined Woman. And our vision is to equip and empower women to embrace their beauty, identity, and value 
through storytelling. Um, I speak largely to a lot of single women. So I have curriculum that I launch a couple times a year to support women in their season of singleness to really activate their dating life and show up with intention and clarity. Um, I have um, meditation guides that I offer. And then the Refined Collective podcast runs through the Refined Woman. And that's just sort of another leg of the same vision. I talk about everything from like your period to faith, to sex, to leadership, to entrepreneurship, kind of like all the things. Um, and then on the other side of that, I have run a photography business for full time for almost 10 years now. Um, that brought, I was in LA doing that for a long time. And then I was by coastal between LA and New York for a few years and then made the switch to New York about seven years ago. So I still have my photography business. It's still my main money maker. And then I also have the refined woman. And so, um, like most entrepreneurs, I'm wearing a lot of different hats and spinning a lot of the different plates. Um, and definitely have, you know, that side hustle life going on, like most of us entrepreneurs. Um, but yeah, that's like a little bit about what I do. So I, two main businesses, the refined woman in my photography business. And then there's a lot of different legs through both yeah. of those. Oh yeah. I know it's never as clear cut as this yeah. is what I do. Like there's so many like little caveats with each one. I'm like, well, I do this, but I also do this. And mm-hmm. Um, yeah. We were chatting before I kind of hit record and um, I got really excited because you said that you work with Amy Porterfield as I her do. photographer. So she's kind of what got me into the education side of my business and the podcasting. I've been listening to her for years. She's amazing. And so she, she's kind of a big inspiration for, for my business as well. Oh, she's wonderful. She is the real deal. We, I can't, I think we connected through a mutual friend, Jasmine Starr a few years ago. Yeah, I and love her too. Yeah. Jasmine. Um, I've, I met Jasmine like my first year in photography and she used to work for my old boss, like long before I used to work for him. And I just always loved her, adored her. I think she's so amazing. Um, but yeah, she connected me to Amy and I didn't, I didn't even know who Amy was. I started shooting her and then I, my friends were like, you're shooting Amy Porterfield. I was like, yeah, she's one of my clients. Um, but she, she's like the online educating guru. Like, and I mean, after working with her for the past few years, I can say with like 100% integrity, she's the real deal. Like she is so kind, so generous. Um, everyone who works for her, like loves her and, yeah, I could, I could go on and on, but like, this isn't like an ode to Amy Porter, oh, yeah, yeah. but well, if you I don't know say, who she is, follow her. Go she, check her out for sure. Yeah. And Jasmine too. I followed yes. Jasmine since like her wedding photography days oh my gosh, and same. I just adore her. I was actually on her podcast recently, which was really exciting. I oh, got to do one of my coaching calls with her. Um, but I think it's, I love when you hear good things about the people that you have looked up to. Because that's not always the case, you know, I'm like, sorry, there's can you some, repeat that? It broke oh, out. Yeah. I said, it's nice when like you can hear that someone you've looked up to and you've admired lives up to what you thought they were Yeah, because that doesn't always happen that way. Like sometimes I've heard stories about other people in you know leadership roles where once you meet them, they aren't as personable and as friendly and as, you know, 
whatever as you think they might be. And it's just, that's kind of defeating. So it's nice to hear that, that those women live up to what they come across as online and on their podcast. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, being a leader in that sense can be hard sometimes, especially in the online space, because like this, I run my business like this as well, especially through their find woman. I'm sharing a lot of my heart, a lot of my story. I mean, I've shared everything about my dating life and mishaps to healing from an eating disorder in my twenties to struggling with anxiety. And so I've like kind of allowed my life to be this open book and then strangers all over the world feel really connected to me and feel um, like they know me Mm -hmm. when really like. Stay with us. We'll be right back. If you've been listening to the Girl Means Business podcast for any amount of time, then you know my love of email marketing runs deep. Not only is it a great way to generate new leads, but it's one of the most effective methods for nurturing warm leads and turning them into sales. Now, over the years, I've tested several email platforms, and my favorite by far is Flowdesk. Not only do they make email marketing simple and easy, even for the technically challenged, but they have everything you need to create stunning emails, capture leads, make sales, and automate the entire process, giving you time back in your busy day. And the cherry on top is you're only charged one flat fee no matter how many subscribers you have. So while other platforms will increase your price when you go over your pricing tier limit, Flowdesk has no price increases or hidden fees. If you're ready to give Flowdesk a try, click the link below in the show notes to save 50% off your first year. Let Flowdesk help you design emails people will love. Click the link below and check it out. I have a feeling you're going to love it just as much as I do. I don't know you. And to be frank, like I share my story, but I always share from a space of I always say like scar, not a scab. Mm -hmm. So um, I do my life in real time with real people and they're getting the 95% and I'm putting the 5% online. But in that, it's like, you know, when you meet someone that you look up to, who knows, maybe they're busy in that moment or maybe they're having an off day or you know, I think it's important to remember, like, we don't know this person and we don't, we're not entitled for them to give us their time. And, um, so all that to, all that to say, like, I've definitely met those people where I'm like, you are not very nice (laughs) (laughs) and you are not who I thought you were online. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a lot of grace for that because we just don't know, we don't know about what's going on in someone's life at a particular moment, Mm -hmm. but it's also challenged me in the sense of like, I always want to be the same person, no matter where I'm, where I'm at or who I'm with. Like I want to, like, I just want to be consistent. Like it can be easy to be like, I'm going to be this way with this group of friends and this way with my family and this way here and this way here. And I use these words when I'm with these people. And I think I just decided a long time ago, like, I just want to be consistent. I want to be the yeah. same person and I don't want to like hide parts of myself. And um, well, it's easier that way. It's so difficult to try to compart- you know, compartmentalize who you are around different people because then you're always feel like you're trying to keep up with, well, who, who am I supposed to be in this, this setting? And who am I supposed to be in this setting when really, and I've said this on my, on this podcast before, I'm like, you know, I was a teacher for 14 years and 
I, as soon as I quit teaching and I went full-time in photography and started doing the podcast and doing all these other things, it was the first time that I really felt like I was connected to who I really am because I felt like in that teacher role for so long, I had tried to be what everyone else thought I should be when it comes to like how I was at work and how I was with my students and then the parents and the other teachers. And I just, I always felt like I was performing for somebody and it's exhausting to do that. And once you're able to finally be like, no, this is just me across the board, take it or leave it. It's so much, it's scary as hell. Don't get me wrong. Because there are times like I, you know, like you were saying, like you put yourself out there and people think they know you. And it's so easy when you're sitting you know, at your desk and you've got your microphone and you're just talking to a computer screen to forget that all these people are listening to it. Mm, And so when somebody says something to you, they're like, Oh, I was listening to this episode. I'm kind of like, Oh, what did I say? (laughs) You know, it can kind of come back to be like, Oh yeah, I forget that you know this about me, even though I don't even know what your name is. Mm. It's a little overwhelming sometimes, but at the same time, like I wouldn't, I mean, I wouldn't change what I'm doing, but yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think it can be hard to, I mean, figure out who I am without the titles or who I am with the expectation of others removed. And mm-hmm. ultimately, sometimes I think I go into a situation like, how does this person want me to act? How does this person want me to respond? What are they expecting of me? Well, ultimately, that's my projection on them. Mm-hmm. Like it's my projection on, oh, this is what I think this person wants me to be. And man, I, I don't know if you know anything about Enneagram, but I, oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> I'm a three on the Enneagram, which is like the performer, <laughs> the politician, mm-hmm. like, what do you want me to be? Like, I will be that for you. I will be the poster child of whatever scenario I'm walking into. And so for me, it's been a real learning and growing experience to pause and be like, who am I? What are the things I love? Because if I am living my life trying to please others, it's just not going to work. Yeah. Like I cannot be all things to all people. Everything that comes out of my mouth, someone is going to love someone's going to hate and be pissed off at me about, and someone's going to not give a crap about. And so I can't live my life trying to please everyone at all times or be everything to all people. Um, so I feel like, yes, like I'm like, yes, like be you own you. But if you're like me, who was a performer my whole life, it can take a minute to figure out, well, then who am I? Yeah. Who do I I be? Yeah. Yeah. Who do I be? Like, what do I love? Like, what if I showed up in this podcast interview at my family dinner at a cafe to the barista as myself? Um, And I think that can, that can be hard sometimes when we're so conditioned um, to be what we think other people expect us to be. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, and so I'm in an Ingram seven And so I'm the entertainer and I was just having this conversation with my husband recently. We have like a a group of friends that we do all everything with basically. And I feel like we all kind of play our own little roles within our group. And I was telling him, I was like, I, I get that as a seven, like my job, I'm always the one looking for like the fun. I don't like, I don't like negative emotions. I don't like anything that makes me feel uncomfortable. Mm. And so within our group setting, I think in most group settings, I tend to be the one that's like, 
lighthearted and like, let's talk about something entertaining and fun and let's do something active and let's, you know, but there's also times when I want to have serious conversations. I love having serious conversations. I love getting in deep. I love, you know, kind of exploring different options or different ideas and different thoughts and opinions and viewpoints. And it can be frustrating when even within your own like family or within your own friend group, you've kind of been pigeonholed into this. Well, she's the fun one. And she's the one that's going to come in with like the jokes and the the entertainment. She's going to be the lighthearted one. And we'll let this person be the one that has the serious conversation. Mm -hmm. We'll let this person be the one. They'll make, but what if I want to be those things too? You know? So just giving it people grace within ourselves and within our, our family and friends and saying like, you can be more than one thing, you know, like, yeah, you're a three, but don't let that be like the definition of you in all aspects either. Like you want people to, to see you in different ways as well in different lights, I guess. Absolutely. And how easy is it to pigeonhole someone? I mean, we do it all the time. We make snap judgments of, Oh, there she goes again. Like, you know, Oh, she's so selfish. But when we see someone, whatever, like you're saying, Oh, Oh, Kendra's the fun one. Then that's like the glasses, the lens with which we view that person. Mm -hmm. And then everything they do or do not do becomes ammunition for that narrative. And if we zoom out, that's how we view so much of life, whatever the narrative is, whether it's, my internal narrative for a long time in my business was I'm a woman in a man's world. And so I will never get the same opportunity as the men in my industry because I'm a woman. So because of that, my femininity is a liability. And because I chose to believe that narrative based off real circumstances, then it was like every single networking event I went to, every single job I didn't get or every time I was outbid and a man got the job ahead of me, because that was the narrative with with which I chose to believe and see reality, then that was the lens with which I saw everything. So everything then was like gathering evidence to prove that narrative. And I think that's why mindset is so important in our lives and our business and our relationships. Because if I go to a circumstance expecting, oh, this is how Kendra is. This is who she is. Then that's what I'm going to see. If I go into, uh, if I go into my love life saying like, guys only view me as the friend, then every situation that I step into and everything that does or doesn't happen becomes like evidence because I like all we're doing in life is we're constantly looking for a story. Like we're all master storytellers Mm -hmm. and we're looking for proof to prove our story to ourselves in the world. And if we want to see things change, that starts with like first changing our mindset and inner narratives. That's so true. And it's true too. And while you're saying all those things, what keeps coming to my mind is social media and just the fact that it's so easy now to only see people through that lens because we only see that 5% of their life. You know, and I think about the fact that when, when you decide that you don't like somebody, it doesn't matter what they do. You're going to think of them as the person you don't like. So let's say that you have a friend that you're just like, or a person, you know, you're like, Oh, she's just the worst. I can't stand her. That same woman could go out and donate tons of money or work for a charity or go overseas and help children in an orphanage. And you're still going to look at it through that lens of, Oh, she's just doing this to get attention or she, you know, it's, it's so funny how our mindset makes such a huge difference because 
yeah, no matter, or, or even if you think somebody is the best thing on, on the planet, they could go out and do something terrible and you're still going to try to spin it as, oh, well, they were just, you know, having a bad day or, oh, it wasn't oh really gosh. their fault or, you know, like it's so easy to, to wear those lenses and see people through that viewpoint, whether we really mean to or not, I think, but yeah, that, and social media makes it so easy. You know, I think about the example of, this is going to sound really cheesy, but Taylor Swift. So I've always liked her. I've never been like a huge fan. Her music kind of gets on my nerves after a while. I like it for like the first couple times I hear it and then it gets old, but I've always liked her as like a brand and the strategic way she has positioned herself in front of people. But I always had kind of this perception of her based on what I saw through social media and just media in general. Well, then I watched her documentary on Netflix and it came out and I was like, oh, wow, like she's not quite what I expected, you know? And when you get to pull that curtain back a little bit, it's amazing how your lens changes through which you view people. Absolutely. I I mean, gosh, I could totally go on a Taylor Swift soapbox right now because (laughs) like I am Beyonce mega fan. And so I have not been a huge fan of Taylor Swift over the years. I loved her red album. Like Mm -hmm. I loved that. Um, but I just kind of was like, eh, Taylor Swift, like not the biggest fan of her. I was like, she makes too much music. She just needs to cool it for a minute. Um, and (laughs) her with all her supermodel friends. Oh my gosh. I was like, totally. (laughs) Um, but when I watched that documentary, first of all, I felt so convicted at how judgmental I was over a human being that I had never met. Mm -hmm. And it was, it, it revealed to me the power of story and the reminder that every, Every human has a story. Every human has been hurt. Every person has been through stuff. And, um, and as the owner of our own stories, like we get to choose what people do or do not see. Mm -hmm. And I think when, what Taylor Swift did was so, it was, it was a very good business move for her, but it humanized her. Yes. And I'm like, Oh, like she's just a person just like me. Mm-hmm. And she's had hard times just like me. And I think what we think is that people want perfection or just the shiny moments, or I'm the business owner, or I'm the educator, the speaker, the podcaster, whatever hat I'm wearing. And people want to look at me like I have my ish together. But really, for me, the leaders that I respect the most are the ones who get up from a public platform and are like, listen, I do not have it together, mm-hmm. or I need support. Like I need help right now, or can you brainstorm with me? Or yeah, like it may look like I have this amazing six figure business, but I'm barely paying my bills right now. Like I respect that so Mm -hmm. much more than the person who just is squeaky clean. And I think, you know, Taylor Swift had the squeaky clean image for so long that now that she, like the courageous step it is to be brave and vulnerable in that way. Like it feels like the scariest thing. Cause that's the moment where we might be rejected for who we really are when yeah. it's less risky when someone just rejects the facade. Mm-hmm. But if we put ourselves out there as we truly are and, um, are rejected in that sense, it feel, it, it feels so much more vulnerable. However, I think what really happens in that moment is 
is we get acceptance, we get love, we're seen, we're val- our experiences are validated. And so I think culturally we have this narrative that like to need other people is weakness, mm-hmm. but I think it actually is our greatest strength when we step out and say like, I don't know what I'm doing right now. And I'm tired of pretending. And can you help me? Like that, it takes, I think that right there is leadership. I agree. And it's funny because, you know, and you, I don't know if you've experienced this with having your podcast, but I recently recorded an episode that will have already come out by the time this one comes out. But it was a moment where I I couldn't sleep one night. And so I was up and I was just trying to get some stuff done. I was jotting down ideas because I find that when I can't sleep, it's because there's too many things in my head. I just have to get them out of my head. So I just write things down. I put sticky notes all over my computer. And I'd had this idea for a a podcast topic that basically was titled, It's Okay If. And it was a laundry list of things that I was telling myself it was okay if. And one of those was like, it's okay if you don't know what you're doing. And the biggest one for me was saying like, it's okay if you don't look the way you think a leader should look, um, you know, because you do, you look at like the Jasmine stars and the Rachel Hollis's and the, um, Beyonce's even, and like the Taylor and, and even the Amy Porterfields and you think, Oh, they look a certain way. You know, they have their hairs blown out and their makeup's done and they're, um, they have a nice house, they have nice clothes and they, they wear this certain size or whatever. And it was me basically just a very vulnerable episode where I was like, just laying out there why I felt insecure about these things. And I remember like sending it off to my podcast manager who helps me with all the behind the scenes stuff. And I said, Hey, can you listen to this episode and tell me like, if this is okay to put out into the world? Like, is it just me rambling? It doesn't even make sense. I felt like I recorded it just kind of as a conversation to the wall. And she messaged me back and she was like, Kendra, this one has to go out. Like people need to hear this, but it's funny because I've never asked her about her opinion on any other episode I've done. I've never said, Hey, can you listen to this interview and tell me if it sounds okay? Like, is this okay to put out to the world? But because that one was so vulnerable, I felt like I needed somebody to give me permission to put it out there. And I, after I did that, I remember thinking, I'm like, why why do I feel like I need permission to be me, you know, but it is, it's because of the fact that some people are going to reject it. Some people are going to relate to it and love it. And some people, like you said, are going to be kind of on the fence and not really care, but for whatever reason, it's those ones that reject it. Like, I don't care if they reject any other episode I've done, but because that one is so raw and vulnerable that it's going to hurt more for them to reject that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I totally hear that. And it's, again, even as you're talking, it's like you're comparing your like everyday mundane moment with the one day a month or the one day a quarter that person X has mm-hmm. hired a team to do their hair and um, create the 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 content, you know, like mm-hmm. it's like we have to stop comparing like our like everyday life to, you know, a person's like 0.01% of their lives, you know? Um, and also I think underneath that, um, what's exposed, what I hear is, um, like that fear of rejection. Like if I put myself out there, um, 
it's like that imposter syndrome. Like, is everyone going to finally find me out? Um, and in that I feel like, and I struggle with that, like all the freaking time, like whenever I feel that it's like pause for me to just be like, okay, let's pause and remind myself of what's true here. What's actually true is that I am loved. I am seen. I am accepted. I am worthy. I have value from the inside out and it doesn't matter if I lose weight, if I gain weight, if a project fails, if I go bankrupt, if I make a gazillion dollars, like nothing changes internally about who I am and my value. And I think those moments are when that fear comes up of like, oh, I feel vulnerable. I don't want to be rejected or I don't want to fail. I know I can judge myself when those moments come up, but really that's the moment where there's the opportunity for growth. Cause like we don't grow and everything is fine or we're like going with the status quo growth happens when we realize, Oh, I've gotten off course or, Oh, this thing feels exposed and it, I need more healing here. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I learned, um, in, I practice meditation and for a long time I was like, what's the goal here? Me to like sit for like seven hours silence, like <laughs> the the moment of like, you know, elevation or evolvement is the moment where like I can just like meditate all day long. And my teacher was like, no, like the moment of enlightenment is the moment where you realize that your mind has gone off track and has started to wander and you choose to bring it back to what's true or your focus or your intention or whatever that is. And so it's not about like the absence of fear, the absence of distraction, the absence of wandering, the absence of insecurities. It's about when that insecurity comes up, me being like, okay, that thing is there. I'm comparing myself yet again. Okay. Wow. Like I'm just feeling vulnerable right now. And let me go back to what's true. So I don't, I don't have these with me right now. Um, cause I'm not in my my home in Brooklyn, but I as well, I have post-it notes all over my apartment of like truth statements about what's true about me. Cause all day long, like our attention is like pulling us elsewhere, telling us, Oh, you're not enough. Like your business isn't valid because you don't look like X or you don't talk like X or your business doesn't have the numbers like X. And so constantly like I need to see truth reminders of, I have the permission to lead. I have the permission to run a business. I am loved. I am valued. All those things that I want and long for and looking for externally, I already have access to. Like no one or nothing can take away or add to who I am. Um, so I think those moments of when you're like, oh, like you're feeling that ping of jealousy or that ping of, oh man, like I don't have what that person has. Like that is just another opportunity for growth if we choose it to be. I really think every moment is an opportunity for growth if we just look at it that way. I that's so powerful. The truth I was writing down as you were talking like truth statements. I think that's I love that idea. I love the idea of having these little reminders throughout the day of the fact that yeah, like this is this is who I am and just because someone else is this it doesn't take away or diminish what I am. Absolutely. And I think it's important, a big mindset shift that I have really embraced this year. And cause I ended 2019 and I felt like total crap about my business. I was like 
super discouraged by my numbers and like my podcast downloads weren't what I expected them to be. And I just thought this is all crap. Like all my friends are doing better than me and I'm still down here. I mean, I was feeling like such a victim and I just was like, why am I even doing this? And then my um, one of my managers sat down with me and we looked through our numbers and actually like I doubled in growth last year for any business to double in growth in a year. That's a really big deal. That's amazing. Yeah. And I, and then I was like, every single download is the human being like, wow. Like this human being like took an hour out of their day to listen to what I had to say. Wow. What a gift. And I chose to stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey, photographers, are you ready to make 2024 your best year yet? Growing a business is tough. You're following all the successful photographers and experts, soaking up their best advice and downloading all their free guides, trying to replicate their success only to come up lacking, blaming yourself when their methods don't work for you. But the truth is, it isn't you. Free content and one-size-fits-all courses can only get you so far. What you need is personalized help and guidance, but that can get expensive. Well, not anymore. I've created the perfect solution to get you personalized results for less than $2 a day. Introducing the Focus Photographer Lab, a one-of-a-kind coaching membership that gets you one-on-one results for a fraction of the cost of traditional coaching. Inside the lab, you'll find the three C's to success, classes, coaching, and community. With classes, you gain access to a treasure trove of pre-recorded trainings and invaluable resources. With coaching, you get monthly live trainings and Q&A sessions, along with my favorite part, the weekly one-on-one office hours, where we get to address your unique questions and challenges. And then there's the community, where you get to connect with an amazing group of talented female photographers who share your passions, supporting each other and inspiring each other to greatness. The best part is it doesn't come with an expensive one-on-one coaching price tag. You get all of that for just $47 a month. You can even try it for free for 14 days to make sure it's a good fit for you. And there is no contract and no obligation you can cancel at any time. So what are you waiting for? Head down to the show notes and click the link to learn more and get signed up today. And let's make 2024 our best year yet. Look at everyone around me who I thought was further ahead than me or their business was at seven figures or their downloads were X or whatever it was. They were able to buy these houses and investment properties. Instead of me looking at them and feeling like crap about myself and comparing and getting stuck in jealousy and victim mindset, I decided to allow their breakthrough to be evidence for me of what God was capable of. So, wow, like this person was able to quit their other job so that they could pursue their side hustle as their main hustle instead of me being like, well, gosh, that's never going to happen to me because look, it happened to them. So I'm so behind. I said, I now say like, wow, look what's possible. If that person can do it, I can do it. If it's possible for them, it's possible for me. So instead of getting stuck in comparison or when I do get stuck in comparison, I say, time out, hold up. 
that's evidence of what is possible. Mm -hmm. it, it doesn't mean it's not what it's, it's what I can't do. It doesn't mean God is holding out on me. Um, but it means that look what's possible for me. Look what's possible for you. So that's one of my biggest mindset shifts of 2020. <laughs> no, I think that's amazing because it's, you know, I've talked a little bit on here and I think this a lot, but like the scarcity mindset that some people have, and I see this a lot in the photography world. And I don't know, I'm sure it's in other industries as well. I know it's sometimes even in like the podcast or the education industry, but I know like here, like even locally in the Dallas Fort Worth area, I run like a, a group for like a Facebook group for female photographers. And I think we have like 1800 members and like that. And we run the gamut. Everybody, some people are just doing it as a hobby. Some are full-time business. Some do family, some do weddings, some do babies. Some do, I mean, there's a whole mix, but even within that, it never fails that I will have posts come through that are people talking about, well, so-and-so down the street from me is doing her family sessions for $50 for 30 minutes and all the digitals. How am I going to compete with that? Or, you know, saying like, oh my gosh, there's, you know, a hundred other newborn photographers in my area. How am I going to compete with that? And, you know, I used to feel that way at one point too, but then I did, I had that mindset mindset shift to where I said, you know what? It's not about scarcity. There is enough here for all of us. And just because someone else has success doesn't mean it's taking away from your success. You know, I, I, if you think about it, like, you know, jars of coins or whatever, like just because somebody else's jar is getting filled up with coins, doesn't mean that it's taking them out of your jar. Right. They're coming from somewhere else. So you get to choose how quickly your jar fills up. And for like you, we were talking about this before I started recording, but it's not an overnight thing either. Like some people expect to be able to put up a website, put up a Facebook page, start an Instagram account, and then have 5,000 followers, 10,000 followers, even a thousand followers. And it just all take off when, you know, for me, it's been seven or eight years that I've been doing this. And it wasn't until like two or three years ago that I really was able to, well, I guess it was three years ago now that I quit my full-time teaching job but it took me all that time. It wasn't overnight. It was hard work. It was a slow grow. It was slow and steady. And that's okay. That doesn't mean you're not successful. It just means that you are going to one, probably appreciate it more because it took you more effort, energy, and time. And you really were able to give it the time it needed to grow as opposed to it happening right away and it taking off and you taking it for granted, you know? Absolutely. And, you know, for the person who is charging $50 for a 30 minute session, <laughs> first of all, let's, let's unpack that a little bit. $50 for a 30 minute session. So let's say it takes you an hour of emails back and forth, phone calls back and forth to book that session. And then let's say it takes you uh, 15 minutes to drive to the location, 15 minutes back. So 30 minutes for transportation. 30 minutes for the actual session. But we all know if you're a photographer, people usually like get there maybe a few minutes late. You don't just like end the session right at 30 minutes because you know, you're trying to build that relationship. So that 30 minute session becomes, let's say, let's be, you know, conservative and say 45 minutes. Then it takes you, let's say at least an hour to edit those photos. Um, and then let's tack on another 
um, hour of emails back and forth to finalize everything, upload the images to Pixie Set or wherever to upsell them. So mm-hmm. then this 30 minute session for $50 goes into at least around five hours of work, which is then $10 an hour. And I'm sorry to tell you, you're going to be making more money working at a cafe. Yeah. Um, so for that person, if you're the person who's complaining about, oh, this other person is doing your $50, you don't want that. No. That's not your client. And like, good, bless them because they're taking clients from you that were never yours, that you never wanted to have. Um, and so I think the reality is, is, if I show up and I'm just going to be pissed off about what uh, everyone else is getting or making or whatever, then it's, it allows me to not have to put myself out there. Mm -hmm. So when I'm in victim mode when I'm in scarcity mode, Oh, like I'm, I, I had one friend tell me he's almost 40 and has a successful speaking business. And he finally said to me, I'm never going to make more than $50,000 a year. And I was like, you're right. And he was like, what? And I was like, well, that's what you think. You've mm-hmm. put a cap on your, you have put a cap on your salary because that's what you think is possible. And I, I was called out by a loving friend a few years ago. I had been running my photography business for almost 10 years at the time. And I was like close to the six figure mark, but I was never able to get past it. You know, I was like, gosh, you know, and six figures and living in New York city is like, living (laughs) anywhere else. And so I was like, man, I'm so close to this threshold. And she goes, what, like, what to you is the ideal salary? And I was like, man, if I could make a hundred thousand dollars a year, like, wow, I will have made it. And she was like, so you're not going to make more than a hundred thousand dollars a year. And I was like, what do you mean? And she's like, because you at some point in your life, and I don't know when or how, but I think as a child, I was like, man, if you make six figures, if you make a hundred thousand dollars, like, whoa. And she was like, you're the CEO of your own business. At the very least, you should be making 250 K. And I was like, 250 K, like, that's ridiculous. Like I, that comes with a lot of drama. And she said, says who, why does that have to come with drama? And at this time I was deciding whether or not to join my first mastermind, which was going to cause, cost me $25,000. And I was like, I can't afford that. That's crazy money. And she was like, if your salary is $250,000 plus, then you can absolutely afford that. And she was like, what if you removed your salary cap? And I was like, this is all weird and woo woo. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> well, I joined the mastermind and for the first time in my career, I made more than six figures. And now in my, my floor now is 250 K. Why can't I make more than that? You know, I think often we, we stop ourselves from our own growth. And I totally resonate with you in the sense of like, nothing about my business has been overnight at all. And to truth be told, there's no such thing as overnight success. No such thing. Like my aunt says, like nothing happens out of a vacuum. Like are those all of a sudden moments happen out of like years of faithfully showing up with discipline and integrity and vision. And so it might look from the outside, wow, that person like exploded overnight. No, they didn't. They didn't explode overnight. They worked underground 
for years, you know, and mm-hmm. like good for them that they did. And, you know, it took me, I've been running the refined woman for eight years. It took me five and a half years to bring in my first penny, <laughs> you yeah. know, like yeah. I'm eight years in and it still doesn't make the bulk of my, the bulk of my mm-hmm. income. It took me, um, once I, when I started my photography business, I mean, I couldn't book a $250 hour session if my life depended on it. And it took me years to build my brand up to where it is now. And people see my brand and they're like, whoa, you get paid so much. Like you get all the clients you want. And I'm like, well, yeah, I've been doing this for 10 years Mm -hmm. full time. Like I should be getting paid more than you who just decided to buy an SLR and yeah. And become a photographer in the last two years. Like we forget, like it takes time. We like, we're so, we so want that instant gratification and everything about our culture, social media, everything says like instant, instant, instant. And a speaker that I love listening to recently said like, we for like, we are a culture that wants to be instantly discovered when what we need is to be developed in the dark room. Like we have the Instagram filter as opposed to like, remember the days where it's like you took a photo and you had to go to Walmart and drop it off and get it a week later and hope that you didn't overexpose your film. You know, like we have a culture where we think, I should be able to get what I want, when I want, how I want it and get it like yesterday. Mm -hmm. And we have, we're entitled and we forget like actually real growth takes not being in the limelight, Mm -hmm. not. And also who cares if you have a hundred thousand followers on social media, if you're not able to pay your bills, popularity, my friend, Jenna Kutcher says popular doesn't pay the bills. And I think that's, so good. I know so many photographers, entrepreneurs that don't have a thousand followers on Instagram, but are having six, seven figure businesses. Like why do we think we need to be popular online to strangers to pay our bills? I don't know. (laughs) Well, I think like, I like what you said about the fact that, you know, the being developed in a dark room and like everybody wants instant gratification. I was just talking to a friend the other day about totally random, like things from our childhood that our kids will never experience. And one of them we were talking about was like going on a Friday night to like Blockbuster to rent a movie and, you know, getting there and being like rushing. Like, I remember like waiting for my parents to get home to be like, we have to go now because if we don't go now, all the new movies are going to be gone and we won't get to watch the new movie that I want this Mm -hmm. weekend. And I was like, my kids don't have that. They have Mm -hmm. the Disney plus and Netflix. And even just the other day, like I turned on like regular TV with commercials and my daughter was watching some little cartoon and a commercial came on and she was like, can we skip this? And I was like, no, baby, that's, it's a commercial. You can't skip a commercial, but like these kids these days, and it's not even just the kids, but like we even as adults have gotten trained to where we want things right when we want them. And Absolutely. the same with business. And I've used this example before the music industry. I think this is a perfect example of how overnight success isn't really overnight success. You know, you hear these musicians who all of a sudden they get their song on the radio and they become this huge hit and everybody knows who they are now. And they're like, Oh, this band just popped up out of nowhere. And I'm like, no, that same band has been playing at hole in the wall dive bars for 10 years. They've been driving in a a beat up van trying to even like pay for gas and, you know, a McDonald's hamburger on the road 
for 10 years or 12 years or however long, or since they were a kid in high school, it's not overnight. The difference is like, we, like you hear musicians get interviewed and these celebrities and they talk about like all the work they put into it. But as a small business owner, it's rare that we have a platform other than like these podcasts to really talk about all of the work that goes into it. And that's why I love doing these episodes because I want to hear about all the work that went into getting you to where you are now. And the fact that you're not even like where you want to be, you still have so much more you want to accomplish, like your book and all these things that you have coming up in the future. And those of all, you know, you had to put in work to get there too. It wasn't like someone just offered you a book deal the day you decided to start a business, you know, <laughs> and that took work. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, for the musician metaphor, the reason why you probably hear about them now and that they're on your new daily playlist on Spotify is because they're paying a crap ton of money for good PR and marketing. Like that's why they are on the podcast. My, I have a, a dear friend who's an incredible musician and he was on the TV show Glee. He has toured and opened for Selena Gomez and has played at all the big festivals. And it's like with each new release, he's starting over, you know, like, it's like, yeah, he had that success on that TV show 10 years ago. Nobody cares about that anymore. You know? So every time you launch is like, I don't know, like, I hope this works out. And I have another friend in New York and she's been putting out music for 20 years, 20 years in New York city. Just this last year is her stuff getting traction all over the world. 20 years. Like stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey you. Yeah. You listening. Do you like personal finance or real estate? Are you itching to build wealth and create a better life for yourself or your family? then you need to come check out the Life, Money, and More podcast with real estate agent, YouTuber, and actor, Sage Weiss. This isn't your average finance show. We dive deep and do not sugarcoat topics around money and life. The Life, Money, and More podcast releases two episodes a week just for you because we're all about helping you win in this crazy world we live in. Come join the thousands of listeners on the Life, Money, and More podcast. Yeah, of course, you know, you see people like, you know, Sean Mendez got discovered on Vine or Justin Bieber was like the big like YouTube sensation. You know, he got discovered on YouTube and it, it social media and online platforms have definitely made it easier to give access to people that don't have the finances for marketing and all of that. But it's still like you have to have work ethic. You have to work hard. Like, or maybe you get your five seconds of fame. And if you don't have a a business plan in mind, like, okay, like, great. Um, I, a few years ago, this is just side tangent. Um, I didn't know what TikTok was. I thought TikTok <laughs> before it was TikTok, it was another app called Musically. And I thought it was just like a, f- a photo editing app that like you could put music to videos. So my friend and I would always make like yoga flows and workouts that we'd send each other and like silly things. And one day, and I would do like 10 of the same video and have no, I had no idea like, oh, this is like, um, a social media platform. Well, one day it was like, 
I was like, what, what are those hearts? What? I'm so confused. One of my videos had 1.5 million views. Wow. And I, I'm like, if I had a business plan for my TikTok, <laughs> I could have really leveraged that. Yeah. I could have, you know, gotten sponsors immediately and reached out to brands. And, but I, first of all, I didn't notice for like three months that multiple of my videos had gone viral. I had another one that had like almost 500,000 hits, another one. And I was like, what the heck? And then all of a sudden I, I find out I had almost 10,000 followers on TikTok. But I, the, yeah, sometimes you get those flash in the pan moments, but if you're not ready for it, the opportunity goes on right on by, you yeah. know? And so we, like, we have to be ready when the door opens, you know, like we're so many of us are like, Oh, I'm just like waiting for that break. I'm waiting for that break. Well, what are you doing while you're waiting for the break? You know, it's like, if you want to run the marathon, you don't start training the day of the marathon. Mm -hmm. You get ready. You change your diet. You run for months. You do conditioning. You um, go to bed early so you can get up for early runs. Like you don't, we just expect we're going to get a gold medal for like showing up to the race. Like, but you have to be ready for it. And I think like for the person who wants to triple their prices and their photography business or the person that wants to double their like double in growth in a year. Are you ready for it? Like, what would that look like? What would that take for you? What would it take for your team to double in growth this year? As opposed to like, like growth just doesn't accidentally happen. No. Like, and if you have those moments, like, uh, are you ready for when your thing goes viral? You know, like, that's what I was going to say. Like I hear people, cause I had a blog post years ago, go viral by accident. It was a photo shoot I had done for a young couple that I had shot like her boudoir session and had done their wedding. And, and she wanted to have a fun way to, to tell her husband they were pregnant. And so we did a little photo shoot and I had them like write these little notes to each other. Well, she wrote, they were having a baby and we got his reaction. It was super cute. And I couldn't share it for the longest time because they hadn't told their family. And I remember like, it was back when I was trying to blog like once a week or whatever. And I was blogging all my photo shoots. And that was pretty much it. And I was like, <clears throat> on one Tuesday, I was like, what am I going to blog? So I blogged their session and it was like nine o'clock at night. I sent it to her. I was like, oh, great. They'll, she'll see it. She'll share it with her family. Woke up the next day to like thousands of views. I was like, well, that can't be right. Like I've never had anybody, thousands of people look at my blog before. Well, it went viral. It ended up all over like Pinterest and it's still my number one pinned thing. It's still like number one traffic driver. But like I was on our local news about it and it was awesome. It crashed my website. I had to switch hosting companies, but I wasn't prepared for that. Like I, I wasn't prepared one to leverage it because I wasn't expecting it Two, I wasn't prepared to do anything beyond that. Like I hear people say like, well, I want to create content that, that can go viral. Okay. That's great. But once it goes viral, that's not the platform to build your business on. Yeah. Like you can't build your business on a viral post or a vi viral, you know, blog. Like you have to, that is a highlight, but your business has to be, have a stronger foundation than just one social media post or one blog content or one video or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. And if you're not prepared for that, then you're not going to have, your foundation is going to crumble at some point and you're going to be left going, 
well, it happened five years ago. I had this really great blog post. Why is nobody coming to hire me now? Absolutely. And I think as an entrepreneur for a long time in my business, I was responding and I was putting out fires. And if I'm not careful, it's the same pattern that is easy for me to even get into today, as opposed to let's pause here. Let's press the pause button on everything. Where am I headed? What do I want my life to look like in five years? What do I want my business to look like in five years? What's my 10-year plan? Um, what are my financial goals? Um, what are my personal goals? What are my relationship goals? Like, What's the why behind ev- everything that I'm doing? And I think it's so easy when we start a, a business to get caught up in like, I need to pay rent today. Mm-hmm. Like one of my old boss, the photographer I worked for for a long time is he was like, he's like, yeah, we need to pay our rent this month. But he's like, we, he's like, what you really need to think, be thinking about is like, how can I buy a house? You know? And it's so yeah. easy just to think I need to keep the lights on this month. And I remember my first year in New York and I had already been shooting for, oh gosh, five years at this time. And I moved to New York. I made less than $20,000 my first year living in New York. I shared a bed with my best friend. Like we had like rat infestation in our apartment. (laughs) Like it was awful. And I, I remember paying my rent check one month and I was like, oh, oh my gosh, thank God I survived another month in New York. And I feel like I had this like God moment where God was like, what if you could thrive and not just survive? Mm. And here I am celebrating that I'm a survivor. And I think it's so easy to get into the mindset of like survival mode or, oh my gosh, I kept the lights on again. And when we're in survivor mode, we can't envision a greater future. Like, but the only way to get out of survival mode is to pause and have a vision of abundance. Like, why am I just expecting myself to survive? And if my business isn't in the place of thriving, then maybe I need to do something else to generate income while I get my business to a place of thriving. And I think that doesn't have to be viewed as a failure. What helped me take my business to the next level when I moved to New York is editing for other photographers that first year, second shooting and you know, eating humble pie and doing side jobs that I didn't want to do so that I didn't have to compromise the integrity of my business and it paid off. Um, but I think it's just so easy to be stuck in the cycle of survival mode. And I remember being in that mode and people being like, well, like you got to get out of like, just pay your rent this month. And I was like, but I need to pay rent this month. You know, like, uh, like it's the 29th, like I need a thousand dollars in a few days. Like, how is that going to happen? So I don't want to dismiss like the re the reality of sometimes you just got to do what you got to do to make it work. Um, but we, if we ever want to get out of that cycle, we have to pause long enough to future vision cast. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, Kat, this has been amazing. I feel like we didn't cover anything we planned to talk about, but I think that's perfectly fine. <laughs> and to be and to be completely honest, like I think just the fact that like just being able to get on here and and chat with another business owner and have these conversations has been so great because I know we're all kind of cooped up at home and we miss that that conversation that interaction. So I appreciate it. Um, okay, so my last question for you that I ask everybody is 
if your friend came to you today and said, all right, Kat, I have this business idea. I want to start a business. What would be your number one piece of advice you would give? I would say treat it like a thing before it's a thing. Like for a a long time in for the refined woman, I didn't have a bank account. I didn't have a bank account for like six years for the refined woman. I didn't LLC it. I treated it like a side hobby. And guess what? That's how other people saw it and treated it as like it was. And then it became a very expensive side hobby. Um, (laughs) but I would say if you want other people to take you seriously, you have to take yourself seriously. So day one, act like your business is going to be a successful business. Go through the proper legal channels, like get your LLC or S corp, um, create a bank account. Like, like don't just do a free Tumblr. I, for the first time in eight years, just did a rebrand and paid like real good money to get my website redone. And I was like, wow, like, like, but the reality, it's almost like if you build it, they will come. Like, I didn't start bringing in any money in the refined woman until I started believing it could bring in money and then treating it like it could. Um, So I think other people will take your business as seriously as you do. That's awesome. I love that. And it's so true. It really is because I, you know, even in the way I talk about my business, other people, I found myself trying to do the same thing because it's really easy to downplay what you're doing when you're a little insecure about it. And so even in just the way you talk about your business to other people can make a difference in how you view your business. 1,000%. Yeah. 1,000%. Yep. Well, Kat, thank you so much for taking your time. Tell everybody where they can find you, how they can get in touch with you, what we can expect from you coming up next. Yeah, for sure. So my website is The Refined Woman. That's A-N, not E-N. And Instagram, The Refined Woman. My podcast is The Refined Collective Podcast. We drop episodes every Wednesday. And my book, Sexless in the City, is going to be out April 2021. (laughs) Um, So whether you're single or married or somewhere in between, if you want to hear some funny stories, some heartbreaking stories, some sassy stories, that will be that. Um, And then if you are single listening to this and you're like, oh my gosh, dating in today's culture is a massive struggle fest and I'm so over it, then I have some awesome content for you. You can go to bit.ly slash TRW dating tips. That's bit.ly slash TRW dating tips and get signed up for a freebie that I have six tips to activate your dating life. And then just a bundle of awesome free stuff that I send out um, for single women because I'm single and you know what? Navigating singleness can be really freaking hard. So it doesn't have to be though. So I um, love my single women community that I get to walk with. It's super fun. That's amazing. And I'm going to have all those links in the show notes. They can just head to today's show notes and grab all those too. So thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And I hope you have a great day and hopefully Um, It'll be nice out and get outdoors a little bit lately and not be so cooped up inside. I know, right? Awesome. (laughs) And thanks for having me. It was so fun to chat with you. All right. Talk soon. (laughs) Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you again to Kat for taking time out of her day to be with us for this conversation. I hope you got a lot out of it. I know that I did. Even just listening back to it through the editing process, I was like, wow, so many like aha moments and so many things that I need to remind myself of on a regular basis. And just that like 
owning your journey and owning your story and owning the fact that like you can ask for help and you can say that things are hard and it's okay. And just having someone like Kat to have that conversation and and remind you like, no, you're doing great. You're doing fine. And it's okay to, to have your own path. So I hope you were able to glean some really great tips from this as well. This is the one I'm going to be bookmarking to go back and listen to again several times. Make sure you check out the links in the show notes to follow along with Kat, check out The Refined Woman, check out her podcast, and hopefully her book coming out soon. All right, guys, have a wonderful week. I will see you back here again next week, same time, same place. <laughs>